while you are streaming a Yellow Jackets podcast. I'm your co-host, Fiona. I'm your other co-host, Emily. And this is a uh, obviously a Yellow Jackets podcast where two lesbians will talk about the show and all of the different homoerotic friendships that we're collecting, like Pokemon, <laughs> as well as various other subjects, like symbolism and camera work and fun stuff like that, and characters, you know, all that stuff. It's a rewatch podcast, so we have seen the entire first two seasons, and we're rewatching each episode as it goes along and then analyzing them from the perspective of knowing where everything is going perfect perfectly said you know it's almost like we're getting better at this episode two second time recording so we are talking about episode two of season one called f sharp we're at it again this is like honestly such a good episode it's iconic I like realized so many things when I was watching this and I was like, wow, what a great episode. This is just chock full of stuff. Really? Yeah. We were both noting like all of the historic firsts in this episode, which was really fun, actually. Like I thought, you know, the first episode obviously has a ton of things that we see for the first time, but the second episode also does. And the third episode, to be fair, also has a bunch of first appearances for things, if I recall correctly. But yeah, this episode is really, it's really good. I really like it. It's one of my favorites, actually, I think. Yeah, I I realized that too when I was watching it. I was like, this is a great episode. I feel like that's how it's going to be during season one. We're going to be like, wow, this happened for the first time in this episode. Who knew? Like, I had no idea that these things happened already, but here we are. Yep. Something that I guess maybe we didn't really mention that much in the first episode, but I would say season one, at least the first four episodes and then some other ones are kind of structured where they like focus a little bit more on a character like it's not necessarily like just about a certain character but like the first episode was kind of a shauna episode you know and episode two is like a misty episode and then we do kind of keep going with that for a few more episodes in season one which season two is not like that but season one is next episode is ty and then the next episode after that is nat and then i think one of the episodes later in the season is definitely a lottie episode one of them is a Laura Lee episode. I remember that. And then I think the remainder of them, for the most part, are are not as heavily focused on one particular character. I think it becomes more of an ensemble as it goes on. And then, yeah, like you said, season two is definitely an ensemble. All the storylines all over the episodes. So this is definitely a misty episode. Right. It's not like super, super consistent in that sense. There are some shows that I've seen that'll be like, this is episode just focused on this character. And even these character episodes, it's like, this isn't like only a misty episode. Like obviously a lot of other stuff happens, you know? It's not like jarring. It's not like, oh, how could we all of a sudden not be focusing solely on a character? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's not a strict formula. I don't love to mention this show because it kind of irritates me when people always bring back discussions of Yellow Jackets to this particular TV show. But Lost had a very strict format of each episode would focus on one character in flashbacks. And it followed that for, I think, most of the show or up to a certain point, if I recall correctly. It's been a long time since I've seen that show. But that's kind of something that I would think of where it has a very specific formula to it that's like, okay, this episode is going to be this character's show and then the next episode is going to be somebody else and so on and so forth. But yeah, this show is definitely not as strict in that way. But these first four episodes, it really does make sense that we are being introduced, you know, one by one to the four main characters or who the four characters who are the leads for now, at least. Yeah, the core four, you could say. 
Yeah, the core four. It's going to expand. Four. It's going you know, to expand, yeah. It's going to expand to a core six. So, you know, don't want to like shortchange my girl's Lottie and Van. But in season one, at least for the first half, that's kind of how it is. It must be a formulaic thing for these like stranded type shows because the Wilds also did that where they would at least season one, season two got a lot messier because they like introduced twice the amount of characters. But season one had 10 episodes and every episode was focused on a character and they would show flash it was it was very much like lost like you would see their flashbacks mm-hmm. so Did yeah you ever watch lost um i've seen maybe the first like three seasons but that was a long time ago i don't remember okay. a lot <laughs> back in the dark ages yeah back I've when i was seen that entire yeah. show i don't want to talk about lost i was just curious <laughs> <laughs> to hear your i know a lot about that. it i know how it okay. ends and stuff so you know okay. it's very like in the zeitgeist that show yeah that's a show that gets referred to a lot and i think certain shows such as yellow jackets are overly compared to that show and that that kind of yeah. gets on my nerves but i think i prefer yellow jackets i mean yellow jackets no differentiates itself because it shows you them 25 years later you know that's like yeah. the big thing yeah but... for sure and in other ways right like a, a main cast of women right actually answering some of the questions that it brings Ooh. up yeah <laughs> i mean what <laughs> anyway i mean i i guess we can't claim that they answered enough yet until the show ends but i think so far they're doing they're doing a decent job unless some people disagree but i think they are for where we are in the show at least definitely can't expect all the plot lines to be wrapped up by season two exactly this episode is called f sharp i really like the episode title i don't think that all of the episode titles are like based on a line of dialogue from the episode but this one is yeah (laughs) when you said that it just now clicked what that was referring to i was like oh right f sharp that's the note that laura lee's piano teacher was telling her to play (laughs) yeah and i'm not like super musically inclined but i feel like perhaps f sharp also says something about just the overall tone of the episode i don't know probably it's it's not an even note you know i was also in band in middle school but i don't remember anything about music so i i play guitar but i don't i'm not like i don't know like notes and stuff like that i'm not like classically (laughs) trained like i could tell you like a chord like i could play like an f sharp on a guitar but it's fine be modest (laughs) i promise i'm not that good it's fine (laughs) i mean you play more instruments than i do i played the clarinet like you know what i don't want to say the number of years ago but it was a long time ago (laughs) well i took lessons when i was about 12 and my teacher did not teach me notes or anything like that he just kind of taught me how to play like by ear and i also play ukulele but that's you know if you could play guitar you could play ukulele it's easy I can't play either of those things. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, this episode is kind of a misty episode. It gives us a lot about, it tells us way more about her because she was barely in episode one and it opens up with the Mm -hmm. flashback of her. This is one of the few times in the show that we see something from before 96. 1992 specifically, which means she's 17 in the show. So she would have been 13 during this flashback. So in middle school. I wonder if she um, was going to all those bot mitzvahs. That's what I was doing at age 13. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, <laughs> Middle I, school is just full of going to bot mitzvahs. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure um, if any Yellow Jackets characters are Jewish, but, you know, just putting it out there. Yeah, they could be. <laughs> maybe that's what Misty was doing. At the, you know what? It doesn't seem like she has a lot of friends based no, on No, it scene, doesn't. So I doubt it, but... Yeah, these people that are calling her up and, like, bullying her in this scene, it's, like, obviously, like, they're 
they're teenagers so of course they're brutal but like I was just like damn Misty really can't win because of the way that they set up the like insult was like you know what I mean like they were like yeah. oh we heard you did anal and then we heard you did anal in like the janitor's closet and Misty's like I've never even been to the janitor's closet and then they're like oh so you do like doing anal just not in the janitor's closet yeah. and it's like okay and then she's like no I don't do anal I've never done that and then they're like oh so nobody wants to have sex with you like it's like what is she supposed to say that she could win here right also she's 13 like this is right oh my god it's terrible it's really upsetting this whole scene it's like damn we're misty they get you feeling sorry for misty at the beginning of the episode so that things make sense <laughs> as she makes <laughs> certain choices down the line so basically you get the idea that she's horrifically bullied and has no friends we also don't really know about her parents, but I would assume, I guess no. they probably don't really pay that much attention to her. I mean, her house doesn't seem that bad. I, and I feel like we haven't gotten like any kind of traumatic childhood flashbacks from her. So I don't know True. if she necessarily has a bad home life so much as she has a bad school life for sure, or like a bad social life at school. I also have, I had this like big brain moment during the episode. I'm going to share it with you. It's going to be kind of <laughs> insane. Wow, I'm, um, I'm excited. So... Misty on the phone is quoting Plato. Mm -hmm. She also mentions Plato later on in the show, I think in season two. And Plato wrote a dialogue called The Symposium that had this story in it. I think by this, this philosopher was describing a cosmology where basically people originally had were like two-headed, four-armed, four-legged creatures that were either all male, all female, or both. And then they got split in half. And this is like why people, when they meet somebody that they're in love with, say that they feel whole. And basically, you may or may not recognize this as the source material for the song "The Origin of Love." I was literally Hedwig just the Angry say Inch. That. I was just gonna say, "Wow, do you know yes. Hedwig and the Angry Inch?" Because that's yes. what I know that from is just that exactly. song. Exactly. I didn't yes. know it was so, Plato. <laughs> it's from Plato's Symposium, uh, and Hedwig and the Angry Inch, of course stars John Cameron Mitchell wow. who eventually plays the life-size uh, life size Caligula the human version of Caligula on Yellow Jackets oh in season God. 2. Yeah, that's a full circle moment That right is there. fucking amazing. I'm so yeah. glad you knew that that was Plato because I never yeah. would have connected that. I'm very yeah. familiar with the origin of love. It's such a fucking beautiful song. I love right. that song. I, love I that have no song. idea it was based on something though. Yeah, I don't know when that clicked in my head but at some point I made that connection. I don't no idea if that was intentional. Probably not. It's probably a huge reach, but I think it's a fun connection. It's so. a really fun connection. <laughs> it's like a full circle moment. I love to do this thing where I mm -hmm. watch stuff and I play like six degrees of six, of separation. Yeah. Where it's like how exactly. can I how can I connect this to something else that I've seen? And like that very much yeah. falls. This is on, zero yeah. degrees of separation. <laughs> Yellow jacket is yeah. connected to itself <laughs> via Hedwig and the Angry Inch and Plato. Wow. So that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think it was because I was thinking about Misty mentioning Plato multiple times. So that's like a consistent feature of her character is that she really likes the Greek philosopher Plato, which is, you know, cool. I mean, he was really gay. I don't know what that says. She's obsessed with another gay man, really? I guess. I didn't know that. I think so. 
I mean, a lot of the Greek philosophers all were. Old, old, like, Greek and yeah. Roman people were all gay anyway. There's a lot of homosexuality going on, is what I'll say. Wow, thank you yeah. for that. You're welcome. I also wrote down, oh, so we did get a little bit of plane crash. I think it was either shortly before that scene or shortly after. And I wrote down, I think that Van's oxygen mask wasn't popping out. That's not relevant to anything. But we did get a very brief moment of Laura Lee and Lottie holding hands. And I just wanted to note that because we're gonna we're about to collect another homoerotic friendship between <laughs> Laura Lee and Lottie. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, keep your eyes on uh, Laura Lee and Lottie. They're yeah, coming. Developments um, to come. Yeah, I also had a note about the plane crash stuff. I was trying to clock the seating arrangements, and honestly, oh. like pretty much everyone was sitting alone except for Shauna and Jackie. Yeah, gay of them. I mean, I can't blame them. If I had a whole private plane, I would not want to sit next to anyone. No, either. legit, I would not share. <laughs> like a window like yeah. somebody else like come on that's a rare occasion that, that you get a whole row to yourself on a plane come yeah on. when a plane is super underbooked i've had that happen before but it's like really rare i've had it happen i think once it was great though i mean i wasn't on a private plane at the time and i'm guessing you probably weren't either oh no definitely not it was a short flight i was kind of like damn i wish oh, it was just funny. a connecting flight i think it was like an hour long but oh, anyway boo. yeah right Okay, so the plane crash, we're here. Finally. Finally, Finally the plane crashes, goddammit. Like, when is the fucking plane gonna crash? Didn't happen in episode one, but it happens now. It sure does. And, um, you know, what else happens is that Van is stuck Mm -hmm. in the back of the plane. I think she had, like, the back seat. And Jackie and Shauna see her and go to try to save her. And then, you know, there's, like, fire exploding behind her. And Jackie decides to pull Shauna out so that they can leave. And they leave van there although i will say that jackie's really the one who leaves van there shauna really wants to stay and help shauna was genuinely trying jackie definitely pulls her away i don't think jackie intended to do that at first but i think she started freaking out about the fire and then shortly after that we'll see the back of the plane explode so you can see why she was freaking out she pulled shauna away from saving van i also wrote down here taisa is the one who initially tries to get the door open just like in the season two finale so once again they would all be dead without lesbians wow i did (laughs) i did clock that really hardcore in the season two finale i was like why are the lesbians the only one that are breaking the door down even though van now has well-established fire related trauma come on (laughs) that starts in this scene they were the one who grabbed the axes and like come on Mm -hmm. guys what are you guys doing yeah this i mean that whole thing it does basically look like van is gonna die they make it strongly look like she's gonna die and uh i I assume that at some point they intended to kill her off there because apparently they intended to kill her off a bunch of times so yeah they probably decided like i would imagine after writing the pilot they were probably like you know what we won't actually have van die here we'll keep her yeah we love this actor they're really talented so let's keep them which, um, yeah. thank God, honestly. We are so thankful for that. Very thankful. I say my daily thanks that we have fan on the show every day. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
daily prayers. Exactly. So yeah, Shauna wants to go back inside. And uh, also, Thaisa is frantically looking for Van. Clocked Again. that. Okay. Very noticeable. Yep. The things that you don't realize unless you rewatch the show. Again. Right. I don't think I would have seen that and been like, oh, she is a lesbian looking for her girlfriend or hookup or whatever they are at this point, right? right. I don't think I would have clocked that immediately. Some people might have, but... I mean, you could you could just as easily be like, oh, Ty's looking for Van. They must be close. Like, they must be friends, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not necessarily sure. a gay thing, but... But uh, when you I think look all friendships on the show actually are necessarily a gay thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> they actually are inherently a gay thing. Mm-hmm. All the French. <laughs> we sort of have asserted that, but it's okay. I was thinking, watching these scenes, like the fact that so many of them actually survived is kind of amazing. Like plane crashes, normally everyone dies. So it's pretty unusual. Mm-hmm. I know this is, I think this is, I mean, it's based on the, the crash Andes. in the Andes. Yeah. Where people did actually survive. But I mean, I don't know. I think that that situation in general of people surviving a plane crash is pretty rare. Yeah. But obviously not on a TV show. In TV shows, there's always survivors. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, that's where the drama comes from. (laughs) To be fair, a lot of people do die, though. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure exactly. I've never, like, counted exactly. At this point in the show, at the end of season two, I think there's about a dozen of them left. But there's probably a good good 15 to 20 people that survived at this point. They show bodies on the plane at a later part in this episode. Of course, we see the pilots both die. We see Coach Martinez is dead. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't attempt to count any of the deaths or anything like that, but you know, there's a number that do die. So there's a character named Rachel. And I, the only reason I remember this is because I think that's the character that they decided to kill off instead of either Laura Lee or Van is this character named Rachel. And also she's like a blonde girl who catches on fire or something or she falls. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She catches on fire, I think. And she's also mentioned later in season two by Akila. So I remember her name. Oh yeah. So rest in peace, Rachel. Rest in peace. There's a lot happening in this scene. Plane crash, it's chaos. Yeah. Ben is stuck under the plane. Oh, his leg is so gnarly, by the way. It's really gross. So it's one of those moments where it's, it's just really gross. Every time I watch this episode, I'm like, no, I don't want to look at it again. Gnarly. <laughs> right. And like Misty immediately cuts it off. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah. No hesitation. Like, but it's also like, she had to like they were yeah. there's no yeah. way his life yeah, was going to be okay everyone was shocked which is understandable but yeah it is clearly gone so. literally crushed yeah they're like oh well you cut his leg off and i'm like yeah but i mean she should have cut his leg off this right. is not one of the this is not a, a negative misty thing it's good that she cut his leg off there was nothing left there so she saved his life by cutting his yeah. leg off that's you right know, that's how it's framed which is interesting because this is the first time, but it's not the last time that she's going to save his life. So there you go. Setting up another parallel for season two. I just have a note that says Van lives. You know that meme that it's like the picture of the guy in the hospital bed and it just says, I lived, bitch. Yes. That's Van. That's right. <laughs> she just like appears and yep. Jackie and Shauna are like shook. Jackie's yeah, like, what the fuck? Also like Thaisa like runs up and jump hugs her from behind and it's like, oh girl, you're not subtle at all. 
it's a reunion. It's a tie band yeah. reunion. That's right. I also liked Shauna's reaction. Shauna was very happy that reunion. Van was alive. Yeah, I like that too. Shauna cares about Van. We need more Shauna and Van moments. Come on. Yeah. Honestly, we need more Van and anyone moments. Like, anyone, I, like I agree. She doesn't get scenes with anyone but Ty, which is mm-hmm. obviously I love her and Ty, but... But we do need more. Yes. More Van friendship moments with other characters. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, Jackie's shook. This is, I mean, it's setting up a little conflict between Van and Jackie that'll go for a couple of episodes at least. So Yeah, the beef between Van and Jackie in this episode was so funny. I loved it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jackie's like, oh, I fucked up. Didn't right. think she was going to live through that. Oh, shit. Now I got to deal with that. I mean, I do think that, like, Jackie, you know, she was doing it because, I mean, she was doing it for Shauna. Like, I think she was genuinely genuinely worried about Shauna. Yeah, she Jackie says that. Is, once again, obsessed with Shauna. They're they're a little obsessed with each other. Just a little. For sure. We have again a title card, no title sequence yet, but I loved the needle drop with the title card. It's like right when Misty cuts off Ben's leg and she's got blood all over her yeah. face. It's so That's good. It's so good. Apparently it's called Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham. I didn't know that I had to look it up just because I it's one of my favorites. It's just it's really iconic actually. Yeah, and the lyrics are so perfect too. I also looked it up and it came out in 96, so it's literally perfect. Oh wow. Yeah, I thought it was a current song. I wonder if they listened to that before they, uh, the plane crashed and they were like, oh, <laughs> this is about to be relevant to my life in ways that I cannot understand. So something that I wrote down, this is, again, not really relevant to anything. I think I forgot to bring it up in the last episode, but I was thinking them being on a plane. I mean, they go through like the wreckage and they're like looking, you know, at all the luggage that they brought and stuff. And I thought, first of all, it's a private plane. So I don't know what kind of rules private planes have. But even then, this is 96. It's pre 9-11. So they could definitely bring both toothbrushes and normal sized tubes of toothpaste with them. So maybe that's why their teeth look so nice, you know, while they're (laughs) crashed in the wilderness. I've thought about that too. I was like, I've definitely thought about the hygiene on the show, especially mm-hmm. when you get to points where people are like, you know, hooking up and stuff. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> you guys are kind of gross. But I mean, realistically, they probably, I mean, they have all of their stuff with them. Yeah. It's just a matter of like running out of it or not being able yeah. to use it at the moment. I'm sure they will eventually, but I feel like toothpaste actually lasts a fairly long time. So Yeah, especially if you have a lot of it. Like if everybody bought toothpaste. Mm-hmm. They, probably right. they have Rachel's toothpaste. Think about that. <laughs> but yeah, they probably didn't bother to buy the, you know, plain sized stuff because they didn't have to. I didn't even think right. about that. I was thinking about that. I never took a plane before 9-11 happened because I just didn't. Though so all of my flight experiences have been post 9-11 shitty fucking TSA bullshit. I was a toddler when 9-11 happened. <laughs> Not to date I would, myself. I won't I won't describe <laughs> my memory of 9-11 because I definitely have one. <laughs> I believe I was either in kindergarten or pre-K because my mom always tells me the story of the day of 9-11. But yeah, I was young. I was like four or five. Yeah, supposedly I was on a plane when I was like two, but I don't remember that. That's right. a mom story for me too. And I don't I don't always believe her about that. (laughs) I'm like, you could have just made that shit up and I would have no idea. I was two. (laughs) Right. Hit us up if you were on a plane before 9-11 and you remember. I feel like they could definitely bring huge tubes of toothpaste. Right. And it's a private plane. They probably just brought whatever they wanted. That's right. Mr. Matthews is paying for it. Exactly. Okay, now we're in 2021 and Missy's on a date. So awkward. I hate watching awkward dates. It gives me so much secondhand embarrassment. It's just awful. 
It's really funny though, too, because I feel like Misty doesn't feel any firsthand embarrassment. Oh like, no, just not in at general. All. As a person, I don't feel that embarrassment is an emotion in her vocabulary. Not at all. It's super awkward, and the guy is trying to get out of it the entire time, and she just keeps guilting him into continuing the date. Right, she's very manipulative <laughs> with him. And I also was just like, the guy is so like, like, I understand that I'm biased. And also it's like Christina Ricci, but like, I don't understand why he thinks he's like, okay, she's weird, but like, she's Christina Ricci. It's Christina Ricci. You're on a fucking date with her. Like, what's your problem? What's your problem? She also looks good in that scene. I'm also biased, but yeah. It's just, I don't know. Excuse me. She's probably a little out of your league if you're just going off of looks. So I don't understand his problem. Yeah, I was talking about this with a friend the other day and we were like, oh yeah, she's hot. Like, she's weird and quirky. I'm sure she would have fans, you know? Yeah, That's people would be into where... that. People would yeah. be into that. <laughs> Definitely, somebody would. Yeah, especially like nerdy guys like that. I don't understand what his deal was. I don't know, man. He's clearly the problem here, so she just needs to find someone better. Exactly. Luckily, she uh, wasn't that hurt by it. She didn't really think too much about him after he left. So Misty, back in 1996, she's really getting stuff done. She's really like tending to, she's, she's being a Jack from Lost. Was his name Jack? Yeah, the, the doctor main, guy. Right, she's being Jack when they crash. She's yeah. like attending to everyone. Thanks for and... bringing up that traumatic memory, <laughs> by the way. You're welcome. I really hated the three main characters on Lost, so I have like a lot of... Who is it? Like uh, Jack, Kate... And Sawyer. and Sawyer, yeah. And they were in a love triangle and it was the most inseparable kind. Right. A woman and two men. And right. I hated all three of I them. I always so. say that. I hate <laughs> the worst type of love triangle is when it's two men and a woman. Actually, no, I think I hate it more when it's two women and a man. I, because then it's yeah. like really unfeminist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's That's like, true. Why are these two women, women fighting over a man? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. at least if it's men, it's like, oh, I get, I understand wanting a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You can empathize with the two men in that situation. Yeah, this woman is so great. I'm going to like fight with a man over it. But anyway, that's off topic. Uh, I think it's Aquila that asks Misty, like, wow, like you're great. Like, how do you know how to do all this? And Misty says that she took the Red Cross babysitter training <laughs> class twice. I don't know what that training course would entail but apparently it's really amazing like she also delivers a baby at one point she cuts off a leg she delivers a baby i mean come on wow i'm surprised <laughs> she didn't do van's surgery that happened yeah. that was a yeah. maybe they thought that was more like a sewing knowledge kind of thing perhaps maybe uh... they didn't have her stitching people's faces up in, <laughs> in the red cross babysitter training course i think it's just funny because it's like you know that it wasn't that deep like the babysitter training course like oh, it's just definitely not no she's misty and she paid a lot of attention yeah she found that really interesting i think this is i mean this is also this is like basically an origin story also for adult misty so like we know that she works in a nursing home so essentially she she was the nurse in the wilderness and she obviously loved that job so much that she also became a nurse into adulthood so she starts to get validation from the other girls which is obviously something that she very deeply craves and she's like being accepted by them and she's frankly having a ball in the wilderness <laughs> she's she having a great time there they need alcohol for like a disinfectant and of course everyone is like uh oh, natalie definitely has some alcohol it was laura lee this time who's like Mm, I wonder if somebody brought some along. And Nat was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> 
I love that Matt is like, she's like, yeah, I did. I'll admit it. I just haven't found it yet, guys. Exactly. But then they find Seabreeze, which is Jackie's, and she initially objects to it. And of course, it's Van who finds it. And she and initially objects. And then she's like, oh, just kidding. I guess you can Van gives her like this withering look. And <laughs> she's like, oh, never mind. You guys can totally use it. Yeah, Van's like, I dare you to yeah. object to this. I actually don't know what Seabreeze is. Is that like a 90s thing? Is uh, it like um nail polish remover? Like, I like you, how you ask me that because I lived through the entire 90s. I googled Seabreeze and I got a cocktail. I think it's like, is it like hand sanitizer or something? Or it's oh. like some kind of disinfectant maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was like a nail polish remover or like hydrogen oh, peroxide, okay. but like perfume. Yeah, that makes sense. Like scented or something. It's also a vodka cocktail, by the way. Oh, sounds yeah. disgusting to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't think that they were referring to the cocktail, though. I think they were referring no, no, no. to the yeah, yeah it's the definitely other, like the other um, kind cosmetology products of some yeah. sort. Yeah, but apparently you can pour it on wounds. I just have a note that just says, here we go with Shauna and Adam. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I had two notes before Adam shows up, actually. The first one is that Shauna is arguing with Callie when she first bumps into Adam. And I think that's kind of fun because Callie is sort of present when this whole storyline starts. And then she becomes very involved and important in the whole, I guess you could call it the Adam storyline in season two as well. So I wrote that down. And then I also have Callie vaping. (laughs) This is the first appearance, historic first appearance of Callie's vape. It's also the historic, I believe, the first appearance of the mom van, maybe? Uh, Ah, yeah. The first time that we see Shauna driving her van. I have a note about that. I said it's so fun how Shauna's minivan is like such an important part of Yellow Jacket lore. It's like a character now. I'm like, oh my god, the van! For real, it's just like, I remember seeing um like a fan cam of her van on Twitter. <laughs> like Someone like edited yes. like, Shauna and her <laughs> so van. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. That one's really good. But yeah, so two historic firsts here. First time we see Callie vaping and the first time we see Shauna's minivan. And I think both of those are more important than Adam himself. I agree. that's what I wrote. Very important stuff. <laughs> So Shauna rear-ends Adam, who we find out is Adam, and I just think it's so funny that Shauna is, like, so convinced that it's Adam's fault. Yeah. She rear-ends him and then immediately gets out of the car and is just like, so this is your fault. You're an asshole. And she's actually in the wrong, but she's, she's definitely in the wrong. convinced otherwise. She's so stubborn about it, too. She's like, are you sure that your taillights weren't out? <laughs> and even if they were, it would still be your fault. His fault for driving a car in front of her. It's true. Shauna's like me when I'm driving in the rain and people don't have their lights on. If I run into you, that's on you. If I were in your (laughs) lights on. I mean, that actually would be their fault if it was raining and they didn't have lights on. People who drive without their lights on, like, seriously, don't deserve to be alive. I'm dead serious. (laughs) All right, Shauna. Okay. Jeff is here. We're at couples therapy and Jeff is here. Historic first appearance of adult Jeff. Played by (laughs) Warren Cole, who actually I really like and I think he's great. Not gonna lie. Do I love Jeff as a character? I like him, but I would also say like in small doses. Yeah, I'm not like deeply invested in Jeff or anything. I I really hope that they reduce the amount of Jeff in season three. Like he had his moments, maybe a few too many moments in season two. (laughs) Given that we're introduced to him as this absolute douchebag teenager, adult Jeff is a lot more tolerable. I think he's like, he's definitely 
generally very likable, especially over yeah. the course of season one. I started to like yeah. him a lot. Yeah, I think they put a lot of effort into making him likable. I think, yeah. I mean, that was a deliberate choice to make him look like a douchebag and then to be like, oh, actually, he's he's funny. He's quirky. You know, he's what the internet would call a himbo. So couples therapy, their therapist. I mean, listen, I've never been married, so I can't really speak to this, <laughs> but their therapist tells them that marriage starts in your heart and it dies in your groin. Yeah, uh, I wrote down, okay, so if they were lesbians, we would call this lesbian bed death. <laughs> Haven't you seen The L Word with Bet and Tina? Isn't yep, that like right. a whole storyline with them? Probably is. I haven't watched The L Word. I'm pretty decades. sure the pilot episode is them in couple therapy. And they literally <laughs> get told that. They're like, you guys have yeah. lesbian beds. <laughs> That's right. And this is a callback to that, actually. <laughs> Shauna and Jeff are betting Tina, to be yeah. honest. And it's all Jeff's fault because he didn't like the strawberry loop. So that's yeah, why their sex life is boring. 100%. I actually don't think yep. either of them are similar to Bet or Tina, to be honest. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, so I don't know if I necessarily agree with the therapist, but she's telling them that they have to have sex because they don't. Mm-hmm. That's the first time we meet adult Jeff. <laughs> Misty and her date drive back to her house. I think this is kind of a little seed planted because I believe Misty like pretends that her car broke down so that he will give her a ride home, which is kind of like a little foreshadowing to later in the episode when she basically ruins Matt's car. When she uses the same tactic on somebody else because it turns out Misty is manipulative towards other people. This guy doesn't want to hook up with her and she basically uses the manipulation tactic of being like, oh, so you think I'm ugly and like guilt him. But also, I mean, she's not ugly. I'm just going to put that out there again. It's Christina Ricci. I mean, we're both lesbians, but still it's Christina Ricci. Come on. (laughs) You can't like be Christina Ricci and be like, oh, this character is ugly. (laughs) She sells it because she's really good at selling this character. But yeah, it's like stretching plausibility a little bit there. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the problem is that Misty is ugly. I think she's just no, supposed to be like it's really weird. Frankly, she is. But the po- my sure. point is just that I don't but. think that someone being really weird would necessarily be mean that like they're sexless and they have no luck. Like I think that right. she'd be fine to yeah. be honest. And um, something's wrong with the guy. Like what's your <laughs> something's problem? Definitely wrong with him. Yeah, he's got that weird mustache. I noticed that this time. I'm like, why does he look like that? Anyway. Yeah, like they purposely made him look creepy. Mm-hmm. This leads into a really, I'm going to say, another one of our arguable homoerotic relationships on this show. Oh, definitely. This leads into a really iconic reunion scene between Misty and Natalie, because Natalie is sitting in her living room with this huge-ass rifle with, like, a sniper scope on it, which, by the way, is kind of crazy thing for her to have. Yeah, it's and, not just, uh, like, a hunting shotgun. It's, like... Oh, it's so... It's really intense, and she just has this in her car. And she's, like, pointing at it. Well, she's not pointing at her yet, but she's like, Hello, Misty, you crazy fucking bitch, which is one of my favorite lines in the show. And I feel like they wrote that specifically for Juliette Lewis. Like, they had to have had her in mind. Her line delivery is just perfect. Misty immediately forgets about the guy, and he immediately walks out. I thought that was so <laughs> funny. All of yeah. her attention is immediately on Natalie, and he's just... Just like, yep, I'm out of here. And she doesn't even pay attention to him. 
And she's not upset either. Her attention is on Natalie and she's like, hey, Nat. And she's like smiling. She almost looks like she's like aroused. (laughs) (laughs) She's totally excited. When I rewatch this scene now, I kind of think about the fact that I'm going to skip forward a little bit. So the end of season two, the end of season two in the teen timeline, I'll say, should specify that. Misty rescues Natalie basically from falling into the lake. When Nat's trying to save Javi, Misty is the one who pulls her back, right? And she's like, hey, don't do that because then they'll want to eat you. And then in the next episode, when everybody, when all the girls are coming up to Natalie and like pledging their loyalty or whatever after Lottie proclaims her the leader, Misty does this like really dramatic bow and like Nat laughs a little bit. But like Misty is, I think Misty was really serious about that. I think Misty has been very serious about her, I don't know, dedication or whatever, her obsession with Nat basically. So I think when Nat shows up, she's like, yeah, I love that. She's super excited about it and happy. And it's like, I mean, we hear about like Natalie talks about losing her purpose. I feel like that's Misty's purpose has now showed up back at her door again. So she's she's happy about it. That's why she's totally excited about this woman pointing a gun at her in the living room. <laughs> we didn't have the context for that necessarily yet. But yeah, that's wow. my take on that scene. Natalie is Misty's purpose. That's a, that's a <laughs> statement. You know, I'm just, I got my evidence to back it up. I mean, that all mm-hmm. kind of is what's so yeah. tragic about it, considering how yes. she kills her, actually. Yes. The postcards, this is the the first time we hear about the postcards is in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And Nat thinks that Misty sent them. So that implies that when she said she found her purpose again in the last episode, it implies that she got the postcard and assumed it was Misty. And she's like, well, I'm going to go fucking kill Misty quickly. So now her purpose is to kill Misty quickly, I guess. It's actually interesting to think about the fact that Natalie thought it was Misty because it's like, why would uh-huh. she think, like, what would be Misty's motivation for sending the postcards? Why would Natalie think that it was Misty? Yeah, like, that's just because question. Misty's crazy. Because I have this no, I wanted to talk about this later in the episode, obviously, but okay. I, you know, the question of like, do the adult characters know that Misty broke the transmitter thing? I think they, yeah. I think they don't because it wouldn't really make yeah. sense. But yeah, it's also I think... like, if they do know, then it makes sense that they would literally just see suspicious of everything she does. I think if they did know, I think it would be kind of hard to believe that she would have made it out of the wilderness alive like i'm not saying that they would have just you know chopped her up on the spot but like they probably would have hunted why i don't think that they could know it it just doesn't make sense i don't think they could know either but i would mean that they found out after the wilderness not while they were there but yeah yeah, I don't think they know. I don't think they that know. That could actually be possible. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. It's just... Like, is the reason why none of them are in contact with her just because they don't like her? Or is it because she's the reason for all of this and they know that? But yeah. I think it would be, there would be way more animosity between them. Yeah, if I that were the case. That. I think the way that they treat her, the way that it comes across to me is like, she's basically like this annoying little sister and like, (laughs) they don't want to talk to her, but like they do associate with her. She is like one of them. Yeah. She's she's just the most annoying one of them for sure. (laughs) For sure. It's a family. It's a dysfunctional family dynamic. A horrifically dysfunctional found family. (laughs) Right. I mean, really the show is about found family. Just a really fucked up one. In a really super fucked up way. Yeah. (laughs) Found in the sense that they were all trapped together. Thanks right. to one particular character. Hmm, I wonder who. Found by force, not by choice. Just like a real family, actually. You know, so they basically are a real family, just not blood-related, essentially. Exactly. That's why they sometimes hate each other. You know, Ty and Van are the moms. Obviously. 
having to take care of everyone. Right. I do think it's interesting that the symbol is on the postcards, considering we now know that Jeff mm-hmm. is the one who sent them. Like, I guess yeah. he saw the symbol. So, like, he drew them on there? Or? How does he know about the symbol? Like, I guess maybe they were in Shauna's well, journals? Yeah, I have to assume that Shauna wrote them in the journals at some point. This is, I think, actually the first time we see the symbol also. We'll see it again later in the episode in the wilderness. But yeah, this is the first time that we see the symbol and it's drawn onto the postcards. So I just assume that they must have been in the journals. Or like I would I would think it wouldn't really be that hard to considering like Lottie also runs a cult with the symbol. Like I'm sure it's kind of common knowledge for people who like know about the yellow jackets that it wouldn't be that hard to like find that symbol. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting to think about. I don't know. Anybody else had talked about it or shared anything about it. Do you think Lottie's cult is supposed to be, I mean, they're not actually that isolated, but they're not in contact with anyone else so i don't know i mean i don't think it really matters i think it's just supposed to be for the audience of the show like ooh, look yeah. at the symbol <laughs> but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wrote down the way that misty says la croix the drink the um, beverage yes which i call Lacroix. yeah I mean, me too also, it's made in michigan it's not actually french <laughs> just so everyone knows it's made in michigan but i think it's really funny that misty calls it la croix <laughs> do french people pronounce it like la croix i think french people croix? probably don't drink it because it's an american <laughs> seltzer water people that speak french that live in america i don't know oh i don't know about them like jackie and lottie <laughs> french canadian do they have it in canada i don't oh, know that's a good question we should ask sophie nelise yeah like, sophie nelise do you pronounce it <laughs> like la croix yeah if she's ever listening to this podcast which i'm sure she would do i'm 100 sure nothing better to do with her time <laughs> Um, I just think it's so good how Natalie is following Misty around the house with a gun pointed at her and Misty is so Mm -hmm. unfazed by it. Completely unfazed. Love it. This is like a perfect example of their dynamic. I agree. In a nutshell. And Misty is just Um, like so happy. She's just like everything else in her life is completely forgotten about. Natalie is here. Exactly. That's all that matters. Her purpose just walked in the door and she's like so fucking jazzed about it. They think that Jessica Roberts is the blackmailer, basically, is what I got from this. And then I think there's the following scene when they're in the bar. Yes, and that is drinking. And she just got out of rehab. So I guess that tells you how she feels about seeing Misty again. (laughs) Although she doesn't seem like she wants to kill her anymore. Now she's trying to get, you know, whatever information Misty has. Yeah, she knows that Misty's useful. Right. And Misty has, like, this huge box of evidence, basically, on the other yellow jacket. Like, clippings and stuff of the other yellow jacket because we now know that she's totally stalking everybody or as she would put it like keeping an eye on everyone (laughs) shout out to the props people for the newspaper clippings i was like i want to read them although i did notice that it seemed like for the um the wedding announcement of jeff and shauna it looked like they just took an article and like posted like pasted a picture on the top because the article was about like oil or something like that (laughs) maybe they had a really quirky wedding announcement (laughs) i don't know i didn't notice that i didn't actually pause that scene i kind of glazed Started as the pictures were going by. Yeah, there was like a People magazine cover featuring the Yellow Jackets. There was like Thaisa's campaign, yeah, you know, car or whatever. Kevin Tan. Oh, yes. Introduction. <laughs> He's so funny to me because, like, he comes into the world for Natalie and then he leaves it when she dies. Ooh. Um, <laughs> He's really an accessory to Natalie's character. He is absolutely an accessory to Natalie's character. He's, he's like a, a one time love interest, basically. I mean, in season two, he's really not connected to Natalie at all, but still, no. he's only there. And he there. becomes an accessory to Shauna's storylines. So yeah. He gets passed off. 
but yeah first appearance of adult kevin again not a favorite character yeah um i'd probably like him better if he wasn't a cop i actually did mind him in season one but in season Mm -hmm. two he kind of ruined that for me i mean i don't think he's meant to be really likable i don't think the cop characters in general are meant to be likable we're obviously not supposed to side with what they're doing in season two i think that he's good for natalie and in season one they only show that side of kevin you know what i mean like you're not really Uh they're not really showing kevin being a cop so in season one he's definitely more likable for me he gives her his card you know they were friends as teenagers he was the unnamed goth friend that she had in the pilot who they then recasted (laughs) with another actor yeah Yeah, that always throws me off a little bit yeah because i'm like he doesn't his hair is longer in the pilot and i'm like what is that the same person but yeah i never i always thought it was a completely different character and i was like oh wait that's supposed to be kevin oh also i'll say during that bar scene we find out that travis is the fifth survivor we get our first mention of travis being a survivor because Misty has like a driver's license. I should have like paused and looked. Like he supposedly changed his name or something. I think I, it, I, never... I think it was like John. No, okay. Pretty standard name. <laughs> Just a, a very generic <laughs> name, actually. But yeah, so we find out that Travis is the fifth survivor at this point. Just wanted to note that. And that he was very hard to find, apparently. Yep. Did not want to be found. Javi, back in 96, is looking for his dad. And I noted that Thaisa is really trying to like keep things under control. That's like so Thaisa, especially yep. in season one, because she loses control a lot in season two. I think losing control or and wanting to have control is a, is a huge theme for her character, for sure. She's always trying to like control the situation and find a solution to everything. Yes. So whenever something yeah. is going wrong, she's like on the scene. Yeah, so Javi can't find his dad and Travis is kind of being an asshole about it. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down that Taisa tells Nat to find Travis. It's her fault that we had to endure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think it's her fault that we have to go Wait, through the Nat Travis storyline. Set but... up Nat and Travis. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, intentionally. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Coincidentally, Taisa tells Nat to go find Travis. Then <laughs> the rest is maybe unfortunately history. Listen, I like Travis actually quite a bit in season two. Yeah, I like where his character goes a lot. So the Travis that we meet, yeah, he's a dickhead when we first meet him. And I think when I first watched the show, I was like, well, it kind of sucks that this guy's one of the survivors. Like, really? Yeah, I was the same. <laughs> and I mean, you have to suffer through him in the first season. I think his arc makes more sense seeing where they go with it in season two. We'll get more into that in future episodes. But I think here, the beginning of it is basically like, yeah, so Nat goes to find Travis. Travis talks about his dad died because he was trying to help some idiot put on their oxygen mask, which is Shauna. I saw that in, in the first episode. And Shauna sure has Nat- a lot to feel guilty about, even though she doesn't know, <laughs> right? she doesn't know this, know but knows. yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> also, not her fault. Like, he should be helping teenagers put their oxygen masks yes, on. Yes, so. exactly. Yeah, so Nat, Nat tells Travis to, like, go help Javi, and he, he says, you know, something to her and, like, brushes her off or whatever. But I do think that Travis, well, once they fully find out that Travis's dad is dead basically travis's storyline is gonna start out being like he needs to basically be a surrogate father to javi is how he feels and he has a lot of issues with masculinity throughout the first season that play into that as well that's sort of set up here which honestly it's understandable considering he's around all of these girls these teen girls yeah yeah he goes through his masculinity crisis and then i think in season two he really starts to just accept the situation yeah 
I he's think just it's like, actually... I'm a yellow jacket. I'm one of the girls. <laughs> he's the James of Dairy Girls. I was literally you know? going to say that. I was going to ask <laughs> yeah. if you saw Dairy Girls. I think it's like yes. the end of season one. James is and like, I'm like, a Dairy I am girl. a Dairy Girl. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I was thinking that too, because I do think it's freeing in a way for Travis also. You know, we'll of course talk about this more, but a lot of social norms fall to the wayside when they're in the woods in good ways and bad ways. You know, obviously the bad ones are like cannibalism, right? But there are good ones too. <laughs> yes, like definitely. I think Travis Travis, in particular, he has this whole pressure of feeling like he has this toxic masculinity about him. And, you know, that plays into him being bullied in school by other boys and stuff. And then that kind of eventually falls away and he gets gains a measure of freedom as well. We start to see that in season two and it becomes like, oh, okay, so he's just like one of them. And so I kind of get, okay, so he is one of the survivors now. I mean, huge theme of the show. They were all truly free out there, really. You can't deny that. Thaisa, the first time we see adult Thaisa in this episode, she and Simone kind of are already starting to have problems that are unrelated yeah. to Thaisa's really big problem, which is that right. she's disassociating and sleepwalking and stuff. We haven't quite gotten to that yet, although there are implications in this episode that it's happening, I believe, at this point. I wrote down pastelitos because I think it's so cute. Ty and Sammy talking about pastelitos. She's basically bribing them. She's bribing Sammy. Simone can't be bribed with food. (laughs) It's very tied to be like, I bought you guys stuff. I'm home in our really nice house. And Sammy and Thaisa were giving me a lot of feelings in this episode. I really think they have such a sweet relationship. I do genuinely think You can tell that she really loves him. She does. And she's genuinely a good mom. I mean, she has problems later on, but I think that she loves him and cares about him. For sure. Um, Definitely. And yeah, Simone basically tells her that Sammy has been having problems in school because he's not making friends and Thaisa is very unfazed. Like, she's just like, that's not a big deal. I didn't have any friends when I was his age. (laughs) Which is so like, what? I feel like this is kind of Thaisa being like the stereotypical like dad. Like, oh, like, of course she doesn't care about that. Right. Yeah. I love Simone. They start Mm -hmm. off in this scene as kind of, you know, Simone's mad because Thaisa like missed dinner or whatever. Then they end up on like way better terms. But Thaisa is not concerned about Sammy not making friends, which kind of starts this whole thing because in season one, Sammy is having psychological problems and Simone and Thaisa are definitely kind of on opposite sides in terms of how to deal with it. So yeah, that's kind of starting. And I mean... Some of Thaisa's scenes are kind of hard to get into for me just because I feel like there's a lot about her storyline that's still very like open-ended and not quite defined for me yet. We still don't know like the nature of whatever her deal is, right? But it's kind of with Sammy, it's kind of implied that I'm not sure if he's also maybe having dissociative episodes or maybe he's somehow gotten this like influence from her where he's having the same kind of thing. Maybe it's just because he is clearly interacting with the other Thai, right? So there's something going on there. I think there's still a lot about that storyline that's very much open and yet to be explored. So, I mean, in this first episode, we do get hints of something's up with Sammy, like he's not relating to other kids or something like that. And at least at first, Ty's mind is not going to like, oh, it's because he saw me outside in a tree eating dirt or whatever. <laughs> Spoilers. It's going to go there eventually. But yeah. Spoilers, there's dirt eating. So, yeah, I wonder how much of Sammy's thing is because he sees Ty and interacts with Ty or is he experiencing similar things to her is this like a hereditary thing in a sense or like is he i don't know i don't know i'm i'm curious like i want to know these things but i do feel like 
that's a little bit open-ended for me right now. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an ongoing storyline for sure. Post season two, we still don't know a lot about it. Yeah. But we'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah, I definitely think especially when you first watch the show, when you're watching season one, you think, and I think obviously you're supposed to, but what you're thinking about Sammy is like totally different than what's actually happening. Like it's kind of like right. they're setting him up to be like this creepy kid and it's kind of like a, yeah, like a like horror a creepy movie. horror child basically. Yeah. yeah. But it's like that's actually not really no. the case. It's he's just reacting to Taisa. Yeah, he's just reacting to this very weird thing that's happening to his mom. Poor kid. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like at this point I don't think she has any suspicions that that's what's happening like maybe later in the episode definitely i think mm-hmm. there's reason to suspect certain things i also wrote down that taisa is an advocate for public schools and i love that because i also went to public schools so good for you girl so did i i think it's kind of hard for a democrat candidate to not be pro-public education <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> i think that's a like state for senator that. level yeah yeah the next scene, Jeff thinks credenzas are sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I had stuff to say about this scene. I also, I just want to say the name Tabitha always makes me laugh. I think it's so <laughs> And like hilarious. that weird little accent that Melanie puts on, it just, it's so it's funny. It's so funny how Jeff is like, I want to role play. And Shauna's immediately just like, okay, I'm putting on like a British accent. <laughs> So yeah, they're trying to do their assignment uh-huh. from the from their the, sex their, their sex to have assignment. Sex. Yes, <laughs> nothing sexier than when like, you're assigned to have right. sex. Just so sexy. And Jeff is like, furniture makes me horny. <laughs> you know, his whole thing is that he loves furniture. He works at a furniture store. That's That's like his defining character. Key pillar of his character. I just wrote that, honestly, Jeff's fantasy is like so vanilla and like not crazy at all and very expected from him. So I do find it a little bit weird that Shauna's like so weirded out by it. It's like, what did you expect from him? Like, I understand that she's not into that. She probably wants to do crazier shit than that. She's like, oh, that's so normal. You're so normie, Jeff. I think part of it is like we're seeing the awakening of the the freak inside of Shauna, basically. Or the reawakening, maybe, you know, because it's like, oh, she kind of buried this side of her. And eventually in season two, she's like, actually, I like the way I am, you know. But yeah, it is it is a very vanilla fantasy. I don't know. She's like weirded out by it. Well, maybe the furniture aspect of it. She doesn't get it. Like she's just like yeah. What? Like she doesn't get it on an intellectual level. She's <laughs> like, why? Why does this excite you? Uh, let me she, let me tie you up and peg you. Is what she wants to do. Yeah, I, I think they really both benefit from that. Someone it would fix their marriage. Them. The therapist needs to tell them to just peg. That's right. Tie him up and peg him. That's what Shauna <laughs> wants to do, clearly. She just doesn't know that it's even an option because exactly. Jeff is so vanilla. That's what Adam is going to introduce her to. Emily. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Oh I can't think about it yet. <laughs> I thought it was so funny how she was like, I'm here to return something. And he was like, why would you be returning something? Like, it was just like, he was like making it like, he's like intellectualizing it. Like, why would you, what? Why are you returning? Almost like he was offended. Like, why would you return that couch or that credenza or whatever? How dare you? (laughs) Like, it was like a real thing. Yeah, which is like, why is this your fantasy if you're going to be, I don't know, factually accurate about it? Yeah, like, like, I certainly would not be fantasizing about my occupation but you know that's just me i guess i don't love my job like jeff does i don't know i mean i think in this episode we also see him like maybe having trouble with the bills is that am i imagining that 
or is that like he's on the computer at the end of the episode i'm not sure what he's yeah and he looks kind of like he looks kind of like oh i don't know what's going on we get quite a few mentions of the the furniture business the infamous inventory thing is like mentioned a lot in this episode right which we know is actually a lie but anyway i guess the point of this scene is just you know they're not communicating they're not understanding each other they're not on the same page leads into their relationship the fact that shauna doesn't feel it's exciting or like sexually satisfying or whatever that's established she's not even like really interested in trying to have sex no. to be honest she'd rather um masturbate in her daughter's bedroom hey i thought we were gonna both lock that out of our memories <laughs> i know after i wish i, I wish i could i wish i could <laughs> i feel like now that we put it on a podcast in the public platform i'm like it's out there even though it's, it's in a TV show that a million memories. people have watched. And that we've watched several times at this point, <laughs> repeatedly. We can move past that scene. We can. There's a little more beef between Jackie and Van that's happening. Okay, so they, they find Coach Martinez in a tree. He's impaled. Mm-hmm. However, we don't know that. It's Laura Lee finds her stuffed animal, and then there's blood dripping onto it, and it turns out it's Coach Martinez yeah. up in a tree. I love that shot, by the way, of the blood dripping on Leonard. Oh, it's so good. I don't know if she says his name is Leonard in this episode, but we know that now. Also, first Leonard appearance, I'm going to note, he recurs throughout the show. He's a recurring character. Pause for applause, honestly. Right. Leonard the Bear. We love you. We love you, Leonard the Bear. (laughs) Do you think that Lottie has Leonard current day? No, Leonard was in the plane, remember? Oh, yeah, fuck, I forgot. I was about to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, no he was doubt. in the plane. Yeah. But Lottie, the plane. like, knows his name. Yeah, Like, Lottie crazy. knows the name of Laura Lee's stuffed bear. Do you think anybody else knows that? No. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone else cares. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Everyone else would be like, you fucking have a name stuffed animal? What the fuck, you child? <laughs> Which is so judgmental and unfair. <laughs> stuffed animals are fun. They've got this whole back and forth about how they're going to get him down from the tree. And Jackie has the idea of throwing stuff at him. And Van Mm -hmm. and Ty are kind of just like, what the fuck? That's so dumb. And Van says, you're on fire today, Jackie. Oh, wait, that was supposed to be me. She's just out here with these quips. This is our first glimpse of comedian Van. (laughs) (laughs) Class clown Van. Travis sees him and immediately just climbs up to the tree. And then he falls. And it is really disturbing. And traumatizing. Yeah. They see this corpse fall around all of them. Shauna interacts with Javi in this scene. I noted that. I noted that that too. First interaction between Shauna and Javi doesn't go great places, but anyway. She's very uh, sweet with him. She is. It's really cute. She's very sweet with him. This is also, at some point in this scene, I believe, is when we first see the wilderness symbol. The camera pulls back to some tree in the background, and it shows the symbol. Another first, our first view of the symbol in the wilderness. Yes, Um, in case anyone forgot, the symbols were already there. They they, were already there. When they arrived in the wilderness. Coach Martinez is definitely dead, though. Oh, yeah. Really dead. Super dead. He was had a tree branch stuck through his chest. He was so. impaled. He fell out of the plane onto a tree that he was yeah, impaled that's by. Brutal. Brutal. Jesus. One of those brutal Yellow Jackets moments. Just Yellow Jackets moments. Now we have this scene between Thaisa and Sammy that I had a lot to say about because she's like reading Sammy a book and Mm -hmm. being really sweet again. I love their relationship. Thaisa's genuinely a really good mom. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think that you can't argue that she doesn't care about him. She clearly does. Yeah. She doesn't always express it maybe in the best way in a later season. (laughs) 
but no she definitely loves him oh she's like do you want to go to the park and he says no because i have no friends and she says i'm your friend it's so cute yeah she's like, you have me that's really sweet we love you ty we love we you, Taisa. We love Taisa. Taisa Taisa fan cast. Yeah, Taisa's like actually my favorite character. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's important for us to establish that since we are analyzing like everything. But yeah. I've got like a big three of yellow jackets and Thais is number one and she has been from the beginning. So that's just me. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth a lot on who my favorite is in season two it it changed a bit but Taisa has been consistent for me love her I really think that Taisa like sees herself and Sammy a lot to be honest which I think also Mm -hmm. is probably the point because she's like literally haunting him and doesn't know about it I think she really understands understands him and like relates to him and you know I don't know Mm -hmm. like it seems like Simone is like way more I don't know motherly like just like inherently you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like she's all like really really the caretaker of Sammy Mm -hmm. not that Thaisa isn't but just Simone's personality is more like that but I think that Thaisa is more I guess if you really want to be like all stereotypical, she's more of like the fun like dad, right? Like she's the <laughs> one that's like, I'm going to hang out with Sammy and talk to him and like be friends with him, essentially. You're saying she wears the pants in this relationship. <laughs> she wears the pants. <laughs> you walk up to a lesbian <laughs> couple and you ask. <laughs> she's the man in the relationship. Uh, she's the feudal lord and yeah, um, Simone is a handmaiden. Sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Thais is the girl boss and Simone is the male wife. I don't know. Not really. <laughs> no, we have a male wife on this show. It's, it's Jeff. Jeff. Okay. <laughs> it's clearly Jeff. That's Jeff and Shauna's relationship. Okay. Don't yeah. get it twisted. No, I think that Simone and Thais are pretty equal but they just have different relationships with sammy and then i just have a note that says the beginning of the wolf stuff on a rewatch so much to say yeah she's doing what does she do like she's making like shadows like hand shadows on the wall yeah shadows with her hands on the wall the scene is played pretty ominously but obviously like you don't have the context for why wolves would be important specifically she makes like a bunny she makes a snail and sammy is able to guess these animals as she makes them and then she makes the shape of a wolf and she basically like triggers herself into a flashback essentially by doing this because she like does they intercut it with a flashback to a wolf and like we don't yet understand the context for that but there's a recurring theme throughout season one of Taisa being associated with wolves as an animal and we will eventually find out why it's also like not a thing in season two at all but now that i'm thinking about it maybe it actually just goes away after we see what happens we see adult Ty being haunted by wolves like the entire season until we see what actually happened and then it's kind of like okay but i do think it's interesting that Taisa is like so haunted by it considering that Van didn't die. Mm-hmm. Not that that makes it less traumatic. Obviously it was yeah. still traumatic, but it's something that she still feels guilty about and probably always will. Like the fact that 25 uh-huh. years later Taisa is haunted by wolf imagery yeah. is crazy. Van is alive and well. Van is alive, but I guess it's also the kind of thing, like, Van still has her scars to this day. It is something that there is a constant physical reminder of, Mm -hmm. I guess. So clearly she feels somewhat responsible for that, that whole incident. I'll be interested to track that this season because mm-hmm. I think it's also a lot different, not only knowing what happens, but also now having seen adult Van as well and seeing even teen Ty and Van in season two. 
it's just like a lot different knowing and the way that they relate to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yep, I agree. It's going to be very interesting. Also cannot wait to talk about adult van and teen time van. <laughs> but anyway, thankfully teen time van are, are not that far away. <laughs> this podcast is going to be hit by a nuclear fucking bomb when Lauren Ambrose shows up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all that. I mean, I think you, you know, if you're listening to it, that that's going to happen. To, but yeah. While you were streaming. Right. <laughs> We literally named the podcast after. Yeah, it was it was it was a cultural reset for us. Just saying. oh, absolutely. It was completely. It's huge, guy. I mean, everybody feels the same way. She said it was life changing. Yeah, it changed lives, especially lesbians. Uh-huh. That bomb went off in Ohio, in Oberlin, Ohio. <laughs> a big rainbow bomb. Went yeah, off. the gayest thing that happened to Ohio since Glee. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I had to say. That. Did you even put that together? I didn't until literally just now. It's hilarious. Sammy mentions the lady in the tree. Taisa opens his yeah. window. He has all these drawings and Taisa's like, what is this? And Sammy says that he put them on the window so that she wouldn't see him. Is that what he says? And then Ty's like, who? He says the lady in the tree. Also just wanted to note that one of the drawings had a redhead in it, which like, yeah. what the fuck? That was a I van. I going to bring that up. That was a van Easter egg, was it not? It had to have been. Like- there was a little there was a stick figure of someone with black hair and then a heart and then a stick figure with red hair right what else could that have been yeah on his wall too and also weren't there there were other faces drawn in the picture too and it wasn't a ton like it was enough to match the number of survivors or something like that i don't know everything that he drew was very reminiscent of the wilderness Mm -hmm. later on in the show we see quite a few because javi also has drawings and i really think that like a lot of the drawings are too they're similar to javi's drawings to be honest i have this whole theory that like so Javi mentions having a friend and I have this I mean I'm not the only one who has this theory but like Javi's friend was other Thai and that's right. why she couldn't sleep I agree with that and theory. when I was watching this I was like oh Sammy's drawings and Javi's drawings is that like a deliberate parallel like I don't shit. know that would be crazy I'm not I don't know like we've we talked about this in episode one like I'm not big on like all of these like crazy theories but it definitely was like noticeable mm-hmm. to me that Sammy had these drawings and I don't think yeah. we're really supposed to like now in the show like in season two yeah. I don't think we're supposed to be thinking about Sammy's drawings but on a rewatch no. it was noticeable to me yeah but anyways if we're right about that who knows you guys can look back on this podcast and be like oh my god that could be totally wrong but I yeah. thought that was kind of interesting that Bookmark those two this. characters in particular are the only ones that we've seen like draw stuff I guess I mean I guess except for Adam but he's a oh, painter, god. I guess <laughs> we need to not anyways, go there with the Javi and Adam connections no yeah we're trying to talk about Adam as little as possible in general we like Javi Javi's a good character not really big fans of Adam so you won't hear a ton of he's just from us a waste of time to me like i just don't care about him he's also just a guy and i mean i do like that he did not turn out to be javi i'll say that yeah because i would have been same that would have been too much wow speaking speaking of adam he calls up shauna (laughs) and the caller id says unknown number and shauna picks it up and is like who's this and he's like offended that she doesn't know who it is and i was like the caller id said unknown number why would she know who you are dude Right. Come on. From talking to you one time. Okay, whatever. I wouldn't have picked up if I were Shauna. That's just me. No, that's how you can tell that Shauna is like Gen X and not 
millennial or Gen Z because she actually <laughs> picked that phone up. I would not fucking answer that phone if my life depended on it. True. So Gen Z millennials don't don't pick up unknown numbers. That's they don't pick up any number unless they know numbers it. Numbers in general, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, why are you calling me on the phone? Only, what is wrong with you? Only if we have it saved in our contacts. And even then, exactly. even then, sometimes people call me and I'm like, I text them and I'm like, why this? are you calling yeah. me? Yeah. Although we are essentially on a phone call right now, if you think about it. <laughs> only because we're forced to be. <laughs> hey, I chose to be here, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we chose to be here. But I mean, in order to record a podcast, you yeah. have to be yeah, talking fair. on a phone, you know? Yeah, we're not doing this live, by the way. We're not in the same state. Oh, yeah. No, we, we don't record in the same room. You can probably <laughs> tell by the difference in our microphone. <laughs> and recording quality. Yeah. <laughs> Someone on Twitter after season two pointed out that there's an immediate cut from Shauna preparing this rabbit that she killed to her yeah. comforting hobby in 96. And like, yeah. I don't think this was necessarily intentional, but it's still no. so crazy. It's, it's actually insane to watch. Yeah. No, I. I noticed that because I, I was re-watching that episode like very shortly after season two finale came out and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I don't necessarily think that that was intentional or like they could have planned that out. But the fact that it happened is it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Shauna like methodically butchering this rabbit, jumping immediately to Shauna and Javi walking in the woods. Like, whoa. I thought that a lot watching this episode. I was like, it is crazy to rewatch season one yeah. because the relationship between Shauna and Javi is pretty prominent. They have a good <laughs> relationship and yeah. it's like and crazy. Then she... So the other thing I was thinking about when I was watching the rabbit butchering scene is, I mean, this is our first hint, really, that she's the butcher of the team, right? And just from watching this scene, we can't necessarily conclude that is literally her job. Because, you know, maybe the others could have done it every once in a while. But in fact, no, they did not. She volunteered to cut up a dead deer one time and they were like, well, that's all you're going to do for the rest of this <laughs> time in the wilderness is you're going to be the one who cuts up the dead bodies, for including the, the human ones. For the entire run of this television show, Shana. Yeah, right. Even in the present day, which is actually really fucked up. It's not played as like a, a sad scene or anything thing but I was like oh that's actually really sad that that was her fate but anyway we'll get more into that when that comes time but yeah the fact that Javi is the first one that they actually do butcher and eat like obviously they didn't butcher Jackie they just dug in because she was already barbecued by the time they got to her yeah so. Jackie was kind of just like a thing that happened in the moment it wasn't planned mm -hmm. definitely not planned yeah so yeah and some extra <laughs> poignance to all of those scenes Jesus then we have a scene where adult Nat I completely didn't even know the scene existed probably because I blocked out a lot of the Natalie and Travis stuff in season one I'm not gonna lie oh, I was really uninterested yeah. in them but adult yeah. Natalie calls Travis and he picks up the phone and says that she has the wrong number also, I was going to say in the woods, I wrote this down. I think this is after we see Shauna and Javi, but Nat hands Travis alcohol. Apparently she found her stash and she like hands him a flask. And I was like, oh, that's foreshadowing their substance abuse issues in the future. Oof. You know? Because as we know, like their adult relationship is marked by like a lot of drug use and overdoses yes. and stuff like that. So yeah, 
so the Travis, when she calls Travis and he says, you have the wrong number, I, I thought that was kind of, that was interesting because that's the only time that we actually hear from him before he dies that's not in like a flashback or something as an adult. Yeah, I was thinking about the timeline and I was like, oh, technically this is only a few weeks before season two. And now we know what happened before he died. And I was like, I wonder if he was with Lottie when this phone call yeah. happened. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Obviously, or... they were thinking about that when they wrote this right that's kind of crazy to think about i feel like we're saying that was crazy a lot this episode last episode is oh that's so interesting <laughs> this episode is oh that's crazy oh my god yeah. i can't believe it i was editing i was editing the last episode and i was like wow we really just said everything was interesting i mean yeah shot every time we said interesting you'd be like really fucking it was drunk. interesting now it's crazy so we come up with a new drinking game word every yeah that's the show crazy and interesting i mean what can what can i say to be fair it is both of those things it sure is i would try shauna's rabbit chili not gonna lie i would i'm not really a fan of like eating i would describe myself as like a pescatarian like i'm not opposed to eating meat but i just like don't really care for it i would try the rabbit chili it looked kind of good i don't have any reservations about eating meat i've eaten rabbit before oh was it good Uh, not from somebody's garden (laughs) straight into the chili i will say like farm-raised rabbit yeah it's it does taste like chicken actually yeah i I really just imagine everything tastes like, like chicken yeah, rabbit pretty much just like chicken, except it's leaner. Like if you're, this is a random fact, but if you're, for example, like starving in the middle of the woods and you do, need to like <laughs> pick an animal to hunt and eat, you should not pick rabbit because it has too much protein and not enough fat. And you'll get something called rabbit poisoning. What? Or sorry, rabbit starvation. Starvation? Uh, well, because they're too lean. Like your body basically gets poisoned by having too much protein. That's so. crazy. I didn't yeah. know you could have Fun- too much protein. Yeah, fun facts for if you're ever in a survival situation. If you ever crash land in the Canadian wilderness and you're like, hmm, what meat should I eat? Don't so eat too much rabbit. The fact that it was in, the fact that it was in a chili is fine because it balances out with all the other stuff that's in the chili. Is what yeah, because they have a suburban New Jersey diet. Yeah, you just shouldn't <laughs> eat exclusively rabbit. All right, I, um, I get what you're saying. I get what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> okay, good to I know. guess I should also mention. I think I mentioned this last episode, but I think that rabbits are like Jackie symbolism because Shauna has a bunch of rabbit yeah. stuff around her house. Oh my god! And so they ate Jackie. They did, and they also. I think Jackie. He says something about rabbits in a later episode, but yeah, it's somewhat implied, in my opinion, that rabbits are basically Jackie symbolism. I think it fits. I think Jackie is very rabbit-like. Yeah, well, they're also like very docile, basically prey animals, right? They yeah. are herbivores. They're not a threat to anybody very unlike a wolf with wolves there's also a lot of symbolism like it's a pack animal it's a predator stuff like that jackie being associated with rabbits makes a lot of sense to me so shauna jokes about well i mean she isn't joking she tells them that she put rabbit in the chili but they don't believe her i just thought it was funny how callie was like you're so freaking weird like that was what she had to say she's not wrong either which (laughs) is I, yeah. I actually really like Callie and Shauna's relationship. I think it's like so fun. I do. I do. I especially love it. Yeah, I love it even more now, knowing where they go with it. But yeah, I really like Callie. I'm growing to like her more over time. And that scene is 
it's interesting because she's actually completely honest with them, which Shauna is not great about being completely honest with her family, at least in this season. But she's totally, she tells them exactly what she did. She's like, yeah, I cut up a rabbit. <laughs> I skinned it chin to anus. I don't know why I always remember that she says that. Yeah, because it's uh, gross. And then I put it in the stew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they both think that she's like making up some weird story. But in fact, the weirder thing is that she's completely telling the truth in that scene. Yeah, and honestly, if I were them I would second guess it because it's Shauna and they noticed the difference Jeff was like oh this tastes different yeah he's like oh that's good (laughs) that's pretty tasty I like the chili tonight that's a fan (laughs) of the rabbit that's right (laughs) Jeff is also consuming Jackie see wow (laughs) we're all consuming Jackie their whole family is built upon Jackie's bones. Every time you eat a rabbit, remember that you're eating Jackie. <laughs> if you eat rabbits frequently, I don't think it's a very common meat in the United States. <laughs> it's not. I would say it's not. Yeah. We have uh, international listeners, though. I mean, actually, we do. Yeah. I'll ask around. They go back to the plane. I think that this was probably Laura Lee's idea. They like cover up the bodies in the plane. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's Shauna, Laura Lee, Ty and Van. And I was just like, okay, yikes. So they're kind of like doing stuff at the plane site. The adrenaline has died down. Stuff is settling in. They're like kind of building a little campsite. They have a fire. They covered up the bodies on the plane. Lottie's taking her meds. She's running out of her meds. Yeah. This stresses me out whenever I rewatch it because I'm like, oh my God, this poor girl. Like, she doesn't have a lot in this episode, but her big thing is like, she's basically running around frantically trying to find her medicine. And like, then she finds it and she has like seven of them left. And obviously, they're there for longer than seven days. I'm assuming it's like one pill per day kind of deal. And I'm like, oh, baby girl. I'm so sorry. Really empathize. Like, I know what happens when I don't take my meds. And it's like, like, if you take psychological meds like that, you cannot just like go off of them. I I mean, I'm sure people know that. But like, I can't even imagine and I don't have schizophrenia. Okay, like, no. So like, she's going on withdrawals from like serious psychiatric medicine in the woods, basically alone, because she obviously doesn't tell anybody about it. They don't find out. And well, we don't actually know when they find out. But they know by the time they get back at least right or yeah whatever but yeah I feel like I'm a zombie if I don't take my anxiety meds for a day so I can't imagine when season two is airing I was like I made this thread I think I forgot to update it a bunch of times but I was like who stressed me out the most in each episode Uh, (laughs) and this is one of those moments where like Lottie really stressed me out so even though she didn't actually do anything it's just like her lack of meds yeah (laughs) (laughs) it stressed who stressed me out in the sense of like I care about all the characters and like which of them like (laughs) what distress events are they going through that's stressing me out basically yeah Lottie was the most I was stressing me out this episode so we could also talk about it later especially when adult Lottie gets introduced but I think that a big thing is like we were talking earlier about how they really are kind of like free and they're like their primal selves when they're in the wilderness and I guess Uh you can really get into it and be like oh well like if Lottie's off her meds and isn't she like her true self right like I guess maybe people who are like anti 
mental health drugs would be arguing oh well like yeah. shouldn't you just be yourself and like, like you know people who don't believe in yeah. antidepressants and stuff like that but um, yeah obviously psychiatry is what the movement is called right it's yeah a, it's a real thing like yeah there are definitely people who are like that i think they would argue like oh well like lottie's being her true self and like perhaps it's a good thing but i think it's like definitely it's also like such a different situation like it's like this isn't like a normal life like she's trapped in the wilderness you can't really you can't really say that you know what i mean i feel like it doesn't really matter they kind of get into like muddy waters with lottie's mental illness i don't know it's kind of weird it's like am i supposed to agree with that yeah and also sort of like whatever is going on with ty which i don't think they have yet clarified is actually a mental illness or not but yeah yeah it's like i don't know if i should be like oh lottie's crazy because she's not on her meds and that's why she started all of this because i don't really think that's true but yeah it's just kind of weird i don't really know what the show is trying to tell me i guess is my point okay but she still has her meds for now yeah we'll have to get more into that and like watch that going forward because that's definitely a storyline that does get explored a lot more in the second season i think in the first season it was very borderline like oh look at the crazy girl she's starting all the she's starting all the shit right and they walk back from that a little bit in the second season and they also develop it in some ways that make her less of an instigator and more of a victim I yes think. definitely which i do i do really like Same. Uh, but yeah more to say on that going forward that's yeah. that's definitely one of the most hesitate to say this again but one of the more interesting storylines to me also <laughs> definitely arguably problematic like the way that they treat her schizophrenia specifically but i also think it's really just compelling the conflicts that she goes through where she basically she can't necessarily trust her own mind but like other people are trusting her and they take that and they spin it out into something else entirely kind of thing like anyway there's lots more to say on Lottie huge fan of Lottie by the way don't know if you noticed but yeah yeah. Lottie's number two in my big three what do you mean (laughs) season one was like Thaisa and Lottie I was like yes those are my girls all right yep (laughs) it took me a little bit for Lottie to become one of my favorites because she wasn't as big of a character in the first few episodes but once we got into the later episodes I was like all in on Lottie. Yeah, Lottie is one of those things where I think her appearances in the first couple episodes of season one are pretty subtle and it's pretty much just surrounding like pill stuff or like cute little moments that she has. I do think they build it up pretty subtly, her becoming an actual major important character by season two. You definitely, or at least when I watched that, I I wasn't thinking like, oh my God, what's going to happen next about her finding the pills or whatever. I was just like, okay, that's kind of interesting and then move on same it's not until you get into like that episode i think it's like episode five where she gets possessed or whatever but yeah you don't realize that basically the entire everything that happens in season two in the wilderness would not have happened if it weren't for lottie essentially yeah kind of yeah it wasn't her right. intention yeah yeah, yeah yeah for sure so much more to say about lottie right we love this you is, lottie this is hard because like <laughs> we're watching the show and, and sometimes it's like we really want to talk about like lottie and van but they're actually not really major characters yet <laughs> right <laughs> but we love both of them but it's so hard to like definitely associate get what adam. we know from season two about van and lottie right yeah and so yeah. we have fucking adam <laughs> so we can talk about adam love that guy just kidding um but you know before we talk about adam again Again, which I don't think we have to talk about him again in this episode, thank God. But we have this little moment where they're all talking about yeah. how well, Jackie mentions how they need to conserve food, and Van asks her if she wants yeah. to save the corn nuts. 
I also noted that I think it was Shauna who said, I'm sure the plane has an emergency transmitter sending out a distress signal. Yep. They'll be here to rescue us by morning. Oh, will they? Uh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if something's going to happen with that. Hmm. And also, uh, Mari tells Thaisa that she did Allie a big favor by breaking her leg. Yeah. Which is another little <laughs> yeah. interaction that I totally forgot about. Yeah, Mari gets a line and Akila gets a line. You know, they, they got more time than I thought they did, honestly. We love our girls getting their lines. Hell yeah. Sure do. We love our minor <laughs> characters. Love you guys. They're actually more like side characters now. They're not minor anymore. Agreed. I just have a no- I just have a note that Shauna tops Jeff. <laughs> oh my god you know what i wrote down i wrote down shauna's a dom top that's literally all i wrote about that fucking thing that's fucking why do we have the same brain that's like so what funny. the hell is going on because we're applying gay relationship dynamics to straight couples you know, yeah basically joke, that's why obviously. i called them lesbian bed death. right no it's you know if shauna and jeff were a lesbian couple like shauna would yep. be the top in this situation <laughs> That's what happened. She could have pegged him. I mean, you don't know. I don't think she did. I mean, maybe season three. No, she she didn't get there until after Adam. Exactly. Future development. But I mean, I guess. Watch this space. Just kidding. (laughs) Watch this space for us to uh, pinpoint exactly when Shauna pegs. Starts pegging Jeff. (laughs) Every time I think about pegging, I just think about that episode of Broad City. The pegging (laughs) episode. So both of us, we we were uh, texting when we watched this and Fiona texted me and she was like, oh my God, Jen is here. And I was like, I literally (laughs) noted the same exact thing. Jen from season two is in season one. I think our listeners probably know this. I do feel like this is somewhat of a, I don't know if we ever hear her name. I think we must at some point, but I know her name is Jen. She was credited as Yellow Jacket number one in this episode. Oh, (laughs) Yellow Jacket number one. Number one, yeah. Yeah, obviously we were both struck by this because Jen is the one who hangs out with Melissa, the pink cat girl, um, who's also another minor character in season two. But they both get lines. They start to get lines in season two. So I feel like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, they're going to get some kind of story before they get eaten. I'm assuming they both get eaten. Yeah. It's possible, on the menu. it's possible that Jen could be pick girl. I mean, if, if you want to go there. Yeah, she sort of fits the like hair color and skin color. So she definitely could be. She's, you know, in the running. I mean, everybody assumes it's Mari. Again, I don't really have an opinion on who it is. Yeah, I don't really care who it is. That it matters. I don't yeah. care, to be honest. We established that. But yeah, yeah um, we were so excited. Yeah. First Jen appearance. It's like, oh, first appearance of this minor character. Yeah, for that all is kind of a thing where a lot of characters, you see a lot of extras like drift in and out of the show. And I think they do that deliberately so that you don't quite like know how many. I was thinking about this. I was, I was thinking about having like a big brain moment about it. Like, oh, you know, since it's sort of framed as like flashbacks, maybe they don't actually quite remember all of the people or like, you know, when you're trying to have a memory of something that happened to you a long time ago and you're like well i don't i don't remember any of my classmates from like fifth grade or whatever maybe you remember some of them yeah but maybe you don't remember all of them kind of thing i was thinking like maybe it's it's just like the unreliability of memory or something obviously it's a production thing like first and foremost it's a production thing they can't keep extras consistent for two seasons right exactly that's not how it works you're not gonna contract people out to that but you know i was thinking like oh well if i were like making excuses for the show this is the (laughs) one that i would come up with right that was exactly my point 
of all the people who have talked, who are so stuck on like, oh, the extras from season one are different than from season two. And it's yeah. like, well, logistically, yeah, of course, yeah. there be different extras. But I just thought it was notable that like Jen is there. Yeah. Jen is in yeah, both she's seasons. She's actually a consistent extra yeah there was a lot of extra in season one i would call her actually a character although a minor one in season two yes agreed agreed but again like the the extras like it doesn't mean anything to me that they're different because to me it's just a production thing it's like well of course you can't that's just how it is they filled the realities of production like three years not yeah i agree with that i also feel like sometimes it's like i don't know i don't have that hard of a time suspending my disbelief and believing that like high schoolers would be clicky even in mm-hmm. a situation like the wilderness like I know that I've been in places in my life where I totally did not interact with people that I was in a room with or whatever I, I don't know how to explain it but like when I was in high school I didn't I don't remember who the homecoming king and queen were at my high school I did not <laughs> interact with those people at fucking all Same. So, I mean there was like, yeah, like there was like 4,000 kids at my the, high school so yeah could have been anyone I remember the fucking soccer team I mean granted they are all theoretically on a soccer team together but like <laughs> I could see like oh the JV girls are like you know kind of off to the side or they're like right. in their own social the or whatever like I can see stuff like that the JV girls definitely would be different and I think that's yeah. the implication is that Jen and Melissa are JV and Crystal too, yeah. I think, eventually. Yeah. I think the only JV girl who really interacts with the other one of interacts consistently is Akila. And they point that out in the first episode that she's JV. Oh, because like, I thought, said something to her about it, right? I like, thought she, she's like, yeah, hey, she, JV, you got to earn your seat or whatever. Yeah, she did say something, but I thought that maybe she was JV and now she wasn't anymore. But I don't know. What do I know? Listen, I don't know enough about high school sports to understand junior varsity and varsity. Me either. Like, and I've been watching this show for two seasons pretty <laughs> obsessively. So Akila is either JV or formerly JV. I don't know. Anyway. And we're not bothered by background extras. We don't care. Suspending disbelief is never difficult for me. I'm very used to having to suspend my disbelief. I watch a lot of TV, okay? Yeah. I watch Riverdale. I watch a lot of CW. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my god. Just in case anyone is interested in trivia, I have a tally of the amount of Yellow Jackets actors that have appeared in Riverdale. But anyway, because, you know, they both shoot in Vancouver. I hope you'll be enlightening me about that. Oh, I will. I don't know that. I have a lot of fun stuff to talk about in the future. Um... This is a great scene. This is the scene where the title of the episode comes from. It sure does. Um, so much good stuff in this scene. Laura Lee is like having a moment and kind of breaking down. And she thinks that the reason she thinks it's her fault that they're stranded because she called her piano teacher a cunt in her head. <laughs> And everybody thinks it is hilarious, which it is. I loved their reactions. Yeah. Ty and Van especially are having, they think it's hilarious. Like Van laughs when Laura Lee says it and Ty like elbows her. Like she's like. That's one of their first moments. Well, actually there is a moment where they're laughing at a joke together in the pilot, but they have a lot of moments where they have these like little in-jokey moments where they're laughing with each other. They're mean lesbian moments, in other words. Uh, And I always treasure those (laughs) moments. so it's like Ty and Van will always be there to laugh at each other's jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? They're not even that. They're not really that mean. Even, just, if, even like, if they're not funny, little jabs. they're always going to yeah, laugh. Exactly. That's just how it is. That's um, the kind of supportive relationship that they have. Exactly. I feel bad for Laura Lee, though, because she like so genuinely believes this. 
<laughs> yeah, I think this is actually like the first time that we see any characters basically like connect the events that they suffer in the show with like a cosmic kind of cause and effect. And I think it's really funny that it's originally coming from Laura Lee and then eventually it's going to spin out into like, oh, the wilderness did that and the wilderness did this but like this is the first time that anybody makes that kind of connection and is like yeah this happened because I did that thing <laughs> and it's Laura Lee calling her piano teacher a cunt in her mind <laughs> and I to be clear I don't think that that's actually obviously I don't think that that's why they crashed the plane right but that's the first time they're like oh well this thing happened because we did that thing right so. and and because they're joking like they don't believe it either yeah. they're just having fun yeah. Yeah. because they all think it's like ridiculous that Laura Lee thinks that and so then they all say right. their things that would yeah, you know, it's not that serious yet. Yeah, it's not that serious. They really needed to laugh though. Like they're they're all laughing. They're just like yeah. really letting oh, it out. Yellow Jackets happy moments. <laughs> 30 second edit. We're adding to the edit. And this one is a little bit more manufactured too. Yeah, that's true. We get the iconic thing that comes up a little bit in the show, T the TJ Bucks thing. The fact that Lottie says that yeah. the reason why the plane crashes. The TJ Maxx thing. I love that. Yeah, she steals clothes from TJ Maxx and then returns them for TJ Bucks. And she has like thousands of dollars in TJ <laughs> And she doesn't like actually do anything with it because obviously she's a rich girl who doesn't need to use TJ Bucks. And she yeah, probably doesn't even wear TJ Maxx, to be honest. Almost certainly not. <laughs> And also, it's important to note that Misty sneaks off. Misty is interesting because everybody's mm -hmm. laughing at Laura Lee, and Misty only laughs because everyone else is laughing. It's like, she doesn't yeah. actually think it's funny. She just decides that she should laugh because everyone else is yeah. laughing. Well, that's kind of goes in line with her character. She's very much a follower and not a leader at all. And she basically goes along with whatever seems to be popular at any given time. And, and I mean, it's understandable because she is really trying to just fit in with them and not be the weird girl who stands out given her previous history. But yeah. I think Missy's definitely like, not to diagnose, but she obviously doesn't have like the social awareness that the other characters do. Daki says that she would sneak down when her whole family was sneaking and watch. I forget the name of the movie, but she would pause it to see Bruce Willis's Wang. It's the color of night. Okay, are you familiar? And I only rem no, I only remember that because I watched it like two hours ago. Why'd you watch it for this? No, no, I, I mean, oh, I watched, watched the episode. episode I was ago. like, you watched the movie? <laughs> no. Whoa. I was like really into researching. I just wanted to see what Bruce Willis's Wang looked like. Just kidding. <laughs> But you can't from, finish that sentence. From my understanding, it's like not a really good movie. And it's like one of those 90s movies that people okay. would watch just because it was like erotic. It was like an erotic thriller. Oh, saucy. Yeah. Okay. It was like, oh, you want to see like sex and stuff? Like watch this movie. Ooh. I guess you could see Bruce Willis is oh. wang in it. According to Jackie. Yeah. According to Jackie. I mean, I don't, I don't know the context, but um, if anyone's interested. And then yeah. Jackie asks Shauna if she's done anything that would cause the plane to crash. And Shauna kind of like doesn't really answer. But I think yeah. that I was just thinking that Shauna probably does blame herself. Like, I think part of her genuinely does think that like, oh, my God, I slept with my best friend's boyfriend. And now we're in this horrible situation. Like, I do think she blames herself for everything. Not for everything. But you know what I mean? I think she feels extreme guilt and she probably connects it together. I agree with that. And I mean, that guilt is going to continue to be connected with this crash consistently throughout the show. It, it just kind of snowballs basically into, well, she gets pregnant from sleeping with Jeff and then Jackie notices that she's pregnant 
And then Jackie finds out that the baby is Jeff's. Jackie gets extremely upset about it. They have an argument about it. Jackie goes out into the snow. She dies. Shauna has the baby. The baby is also dead. So like basically all of her trauma is connected to that decision that she made and also the crash. And so I agree with that. I think that she connects that guilt in her mind and has that weight on her for sure. There's something about, I was reading something about like people were talking about, oh, like Shauna is like a sociopath. And I was like thinking to myself, this is on Twitter or something this week. And I was thinking to myself, like, I mean, sociopathy implies that somebody doesn't have guilt or remorse. And clearly Shauna is just swimming in guilt and remorse and has been her entire life. So that's anyway. That's very true. The fact that everyone else is kind of joking about it, but Shauna doesn't have like a jokey reason. Like she has a legitimate thing to feel really guilty about. And so I think. Yeah. And she didn't come up with it on the spot either. So like she definitely was just like seriously thinking about it. Uh-huh. And like basically she gets saved by in the scene by like Misty walking off and like cutting off Ben's leg, I think. Or not not cutting off cutting it off. She cauterizes yes, it, right? And so yes. Ben Ben starts screaming. So Shauna is accidentally saved from this awkwardness by Misty, but like you can tell she's not coming up with something because she actually has that real guilt on her mind in that scene. Yeah. So yeah, Misty went off to first of all to tell Ben that she cut off his leg. Yeah. She didn't tell him. Earlier on right. in the episode, Thaisa was like, um, you can't tell him. What the fuck? So she she's like, hey, by the way, I cut off your leg and now I have to cauterize it. And then she just does it. Yeah. And he screams. And she also, she tells him that she saved his life. And I think that's, I don't know, this is one of those Misty moments where like Misty part of her thing is that she she likes people needing her. She finds her purpose in the wilderness as like a nurse or a healer, not necessarily because it's out of the goodness of her heart, but because she's finally like needed by other people. And I mean, Ben is like the most vulnerable person in this moment. I guess we could we can talk about Ben at some point. He doesn't really have a huge role in this episode. He's mostly just a recipient of Misty's medical attention. He um, passed but, out for the most part. Yeah, I guess he didn't actually talk or yeah. anything. So. I mean, he passed out when his leg got cut off so yeah (laughs) so he doesn't have much to say or anything to say but yeah misty her whole thing is she needs other people to need her because that's kind of what gives her purpose and this is the first time she's ever felt like really accepted by people of her same age group in her life basically and so that obviously imprints itself very deeply for the rest of her life essentially i was thinking about that during the Ben scene because she specifically tells him she's like I saved your life like she expects him to be grateful and he's obviously really upset about the fact that he lost his leg so understand like it's like I also would be upset about losing my leg but it's just like so much process it's like I understand being like you shouldn't tell him but then it's also like well you have to and yeah I don't know how long that would have actually worked like what are you gonna do like not tell him about it is she just going to cauterize it and still not tell him that she cut off his leg? Like, okay, right. at some point he's going to have to know. So Jeff and Shauna are, I hate the term postcoital. <laughs> Can we say something else? Too. But yeah, uh, they completed their assignment. They completed their sex homework, pretending to be furniture store employees or whatever and customer. Yeah, I think that I was like watching the scene and I was like, Jeff is like so pure. And then I was like, actually, scratch that. He's not so pure because he's done some fucked up stuff that I think is important to not forget about because I think a lot of people do yeah. forget about it. But I do think that in terms of his relationship with Shauna and how he feels about Shauna, he really is pure. Yeah. He's just I the guy who like... just had sex with his wife and he's happy about it. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. like what a guy, you know, like that's a pure I think guy. That's his... 
His redeeming factor is that he he genuinely loves Shauna and like really deeply. At the end of season two, he was very much ready to like give himself up, you know, to go to jail for her after looking at these like pictures of basically exactly what she's capable of. For me, that's Jeff's major redeeming factor is he just really loves his wife. Although he is also responsible for quite a lot of the adult plot line, if you think about it, since he's the blackmailer and that kicks off a lot of it. Also, it's understandable that she thinks he's cheating. Like, what else are you supposed to think if you see that text? Yeah, like... Does that mean that Very it's suspicious. okay? Does that mean that it's okay for her to cheat too? I don't know. I'm not gonna debate the morals on that, but I think that's very funny. That that's <laughs> apparently where her mind goes. She's just like, you know what? I'm not gonna confront this. I'm just gonna fuck this other guy. That's actually kind of hilarious, though. That is like one yeah. way to deal with your spouse cheating. But I think if yeah. you're going to do that, at least confirm it beforehand. Like, right. be sure that your spouse is cheating, and then maybe it's like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe you guys should talk about opening up your marriage if that's the case. <laughs> It's not the yeah, case because maybe he's not cheating, but still. Jeff and Shauna should have an open relationship. Maybe that's what could fix that. I, don't, I actually don't think I, so. Yeah, but... I don't think that Jeff would be down for that. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Um, Shauna, maybe she's kind of a freak. Yeah, I think I think Shauna probably would. Probably. But also, I don't know. Maybe you could say that she got it all out of her system with Adam. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. It seems like that. Okay, Misty's off in the wilderness and she sees the blinking light of what we learn later is the transmitter box, but she also overhears Van and Laura Lee like praising her. They're like, I I guess they like went off to go to the bathroom or something. They're just like, oh, like Misty's so great. What would we do without her? And I also just thought it was so funny that Van says, thank God for Misty. And then she apologizes to Laura Lee for saying, thank God. And I was like, that's so funny to me because I don't think you need to apologize for saying thank God. God. It's just so funny because it's like, well, obviously Van is not religious at all. She doesn't understand that you can say that. And that it's not blasphemous to thank God for something. Right. That's funny. (laughs) Then in present day, Missy basically forces Nat to go on a road trip with her. You know, this scene is so, it's so crazy. Uh, It's so crazy. See, I said that word again. (laughs) When I watch it, I'm thinking the whole time, like, Nat knows, like, Nat knows what kind of a person Misty is. Like, she immediately suspects it, I think. I mean, we get confirmation later on in the next episode that she is pretty much sure that Misty, like, fucked up her car. Because why would Misty just magically know to drive up at that moment? But, like, Misty basically tries to manipulate Nat in the same way that she does that guy that she was dating earlier. Like, you know just her her like general guilt manipulative tripping. behavior yeah yeah the guilt tripping or like also i mean in in nat's case it's like she takes like a fuse or something out of her car and is like oh yeah i just happen <laughs> to be here and also i have the next two days off i can go with you to go find travis and it's like i mean maybe this would work on somebody else but like obviously it does not work on natalie and part of me is thinking like why does she think that this would work on natalie right and I mean, she I kind of got lucky because honestly, I feel like Natalie really has the energy of just like, what fucking ever? Like, I'm not even going to try yeah. to protest. Like, I'm just going to go yeah. with it. You know, like she uh-huh. doesn't feel like even trying to protest because she knows that it's useless anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I guess that's the other thing is that protesting against Misty in this moment would be useless. So, but yeah. I think that Natalie really does understand how Misty works. Oh, exactly how Misty works. (laughs) I also noted that Misty asks her, do you prefer podcasts or show tunes? So canonically speaking, Misty is the most likely to listen to our podcast of any of the Yellow Jackets characters. So I noted the exact same thing. And I also think that she would like to listen to a podcast about the Yellow Jackets. She would because she's a Yellow Jackets fangirl. This is canon. It is. She is not. She was not on the team. She was the equipment manager. She just wanted to hang out with them. She'd yeah. want to know what we were saying about her. She definitely would. We love you, Misty. So she would be writing, yeah, we do actually. She would be writing, you know, very critical reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, they actually totally got this part wrong. Yeah, 100%. She does that with Walter a little bit in season two. It was That's actually 25 years ago or whatever she says. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even care that you're a yellow jacket. And that's when I was like, mm, she's not going to like that. She loves being a yellow jacket, dude. Yeah, anyway. you got that wrong. All right. So pretty much the only other thing that happens in this episode is... Is it important? Is it like a slightly important moment? Yeah, like I have like fucking like eight of my notes are just about this scene, this moment. First of all, I love the dichotomy of Hold On by Wilson Phillips playing during this. Uh It is so fucking good. Like I'm going to gush about, I'm like kind of a nerd about music supervision. This episode flawless. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the music supervision in Yellow Jackets. I know that like some people kind of disagreed with some of the stuff in season two because they thought it was like too much, but obviously it's like a known thing that the music in Yellow Jackets is amazing but it's a huge part of the show it's a huge it's part like of part the of the storytelling to me definitely uh, and like they're always like deliberately chosen and they're always interesting and like this one the fact that the song that is playing stops playing once she tears out the little electronic part yep. is so great like the editing of that is so well done I yeah. guess we should say we're talking about Misty destroying the emergency transmitter or the black box or whatever it is yes we'll, I'll just say that I mean that's the major Event really that happens in this episode. It's huge. It is the like, last it has huge implications. The last scene of the episode, the cliffhanger. The it's interesting. Well, I think something we could talk about is like it's often pointed out that apparently, like actual black boxes IRL don't transmit GPS locations in the way that we would think. So maybe like she didn't actually do anything by destroying this. I kind of think that it's not really. I mean, first of all, the show is fictional, so it could be the case that it's actually an emergency transmitter that really broadcast the location, right? So I would have no problem believing that. And then second of all, to me, it's like, it kind of doesn't matter. Like she thought that she was destroying something that would tell them, tell everybody where they were. That's what she thought that this yes. she was doing. So like for Misty's character, it does not actually matter whether the thing was really broadcasting or not irrelevant. So. Exactly. I have the exact note. I said, I'm not sure if it actually matters um, mm-hmm. that she destroyed it because who knows if it would actually yeah. make a difference. But right. it is important to the narrative of the show and to Misty's character that we think that it would have made a difference. That's the whole point. The whole point of it is that she destroyed the black box and that's really, really important. So we're supposed to think that. You can suspend your disbelief if you're like, oh, that's not technically how it's supposed to work. Right. I also think... Again, it's a fictional TV show. Yeah, exactly. And I also... And that's the implication too. You're supposed to be like, oh shit, this is really bad. This is like arguably the first like really, really fucked up thing that a character has done. Yeah. That's one of those scenes that I really... I actually really love this scene because I think this was one of the moments in the show where I was like oh shit 
they're actually serious like this shit is serious yeah. like because it's such a fucked up thing to do but like they do the way they set up the whole episode they get you in Misty's head where you understand she's unpopular she's unliked and then all of a sudden she's like this is actually like paradise for her you know even though it's hell in a way for everybody but it's like paradise for her because she's finally being appreciated and needed for the first time in her life and she's like well I can't possibly lose that basically so she chooses to trap them all there with her essentially is what she does and she got what she wanted I mean they're bonded for life now she did yeah (laughs) trauma bonded for life for sure (laughs) definitely yeah see that's also though like why I I feel like there's no way that they knew about that because they just would not have a normal reaction and I don't think they would ever get over it either like if the other yellow jackets were like oh yeah Bissy was the reason that we were there like I mean Shauna's never gonna forgive her for everything that happened to Jackie for example if Shauna, right. if they had never crashed that plane Shauna could have gotten an abortion mm-hmm. and none of that other shit would have happened so yeah I don't want to go on too much of a tangent but because yeah I totally agree that like there's no way they know because they wouldn't be okay with it yeah. but have you seen the show dead to me no I, I don't think so okay I've heard of it. Spoilers for like the general the general premise of Dead to Me, but basically the premise of that show is that a woman Christina Applegate, she's like the main character. Her husband dies in a hit and run. And then she befriends this woman played by Linda Cardellini and they become best friends. Oh, yeah. No, I was thinking of a different TV oh, show. Oh, okay. Sorry, I have seen this. Okay. This, so- is a bad, this episode's Batwoman moment. I have actually seen that entire show. <laughs> okay, good. But so basically oh you find out that Linda Cardellini is the one who killed her husband. And oh, it's like yeah. a huge reveal. And it's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. how could you ever forgive her? But then it ends up being a thing where it's like, they love love each other so much and they've become such good friends they've basically become family to the point yeah. where it's like she kind of forgives her for killing her husband and then then she ends up killing her fiance and blah blah blah, blah all this stuff anyway but I was like well maybe it could get to the point where the yellow jackets realize like they just- that they actually benefited from the wilderness in some way and so they would forgive Missy but I don't think they're at that point I don't think that's a no. thing for them not yet that is interesting to think if they'll ever get there because I mean the fun thing about the whole like crystal reveal in season two is like it's so horrifying the idea of Misty actually telling somebody about this is like so fucking horrifying like anyway I think they would have to get a lot they'd have to be very far removed from the situation and I'm not sure if they would trade their they would all probably trade their trauma for the feeling that they felt Lottie has this line in season two where she says that they were in a state of what did she say they were in a state of like ecstasy or whatever yeah ecstatic ecstatic state and it's like yeah and the body can't hold memory well right but I still even if they were able to acknowledge that they did feel free out in the wilderness in some way Mm -hmm. I don't think that they would trade that for you know what I mean like I don't I think they would trade the trauma to not feel that 100% so I don't think they would forgive Misty maybe they could eventually but I don't think they would now yeah, there would have to be quite a lot of development to get to that point. Although there would be an interesting road to go down yeah. to like explore the question of could they ever actually forgive her for that? Yeah. Because uh, that's something she definitely is not fessed up to. Misty in general does not, I'm not going to say that she doesn't have guilt or regrets. Like I do think she does. She just buries that 
that shit so deeply down. I think there are very few things that can shake it. I think one thing that will shake it is her killing Natalie at the end of season two, but yes. we'll find out about that in season three. Yeah. To <laughs> defend know. Misty a bit, I do think that like, it was definitely a very impulsive thing. Like, I don't think that she was thinking like, oh my God, if I do this, then we're going to be trapped here forever and have to eat each other and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I genuinely think that she thought that it would buy them a few days and they would still get rescued. I don't think yeah. that she thought, and perhaps if she knew that what happens would happen, she probably wouldn't do it. I think she only yeah. wanted to be there for, you know, a few weeks or a few days or whatever. I don't think she realized how big of a deal that was. I think it was one of the, another one of those things like Thaisa breaking Allie's legs where, or legs, <laughs> leg, <laughs> just one of them. But one, another one of those things where they make these choices that have much harsher consequences than they initially think those choices will have. Basically, they have much wider consequences to them that develop on from that. And like, we can look back at it and say, yeah, she doomed them to spending 19 months in the wilderness and like fucking eating each other and like, yeah. doing all this horrible, brutal shit. But does this 17 year old who's sitting there, does she know that that's what's going to happen? No, probably not. And Almost it's also like, not. you can't prove that either. Like that could have happened happened either way even if she didn't destroy the box that could have happened we don't know Maybe and a I hiker think... could have come across them or something. Yeah, and discovered exactly. Them. We still don't even... They don't actually know where they are. Yeah, we don't really. even know how they got rescued yet. Um, no, we don't. And the other thing is, like, I don't think that Misty necessarily knows that she should. I don't think she really thinks about it that much after she does it. And then she confesses it to Crystal. And I think in that moment, yep. she realizes, like, oh, yeah. shit, I should not be she's telling like, anyone about this. Yes, I agree. So I think um, she's not good. I, I mean, yeah, I don't think she's ever going to tell anyone about it about that so it's like again like back to the adults how would they find out if misty doesn't tell them right right so yeah i mean i also i don't think she's had an introspective moment yeah she's actually been forced to like look back on that and think like wow i did this really fucked up thing either so i think she will eventually because i think that's a big part of her character arc is her eventually facing down the consequences of her actions like carrying around fentanyl to kill people with gee i wonder if that could have (laughs) negative consequences someday (laughs) yes it could i have this whole thing about Misty like I do think she actually has a very clear arc and I think this was a very controversial thing so I'm not not making any statements on it but like her killing Nat at the end of it makes complete sense to me if you track the whole thing over season two we'll talk about that more later though anyway yeah I, I, mean, I brought that up this is the but... first in what is going to be many instances of us like deeply analyzing these women doing yeah. fucked up things yeah um, for sure and I love it I think yeah. it's so interesting to bring back yeah. the buzzword of the last episode but Misty is a really intriguing character to me too because she's just like she's a little bit chaotic like I I don't necessarily I can't like always predict what she's gonna do she has I don't know she brings an energy to the show that like none of the other characters are remotely similar to and I always find that intriguing to watch at the very least I would say characters on anything period like even characters in other shows like Misty is so unique definitely yeah there's I would agree with that it goes for you know a few of the characters on this show definitely an interesting character definitely think this is just really important establishing stuff for her her whole her relationship with ben her desire to be needed by other people in obviously kind of a toxic way her relationship with natalie is established in this episode in the adult timeline that also plays into her need to be needed by other people as well you know because one of the reasons i think she feels drawn to it natalie as an adult is like oh this person needs me to like stop her from taking drugs or whatever 
Like that's kind of a big part of their whole dynamic. So a lot of important stuff for Misty in this episode. Yep, the Misty episode. That's it. That's like the ending of episode two. Huge moment. Big yeah. moment. Misty destroys the black box. Yeah, we had a lot to say appropriately. Oh my God. I think this episode is going to be longer even after you edit it down, which is crazy. Yeah, I think so too. Final thoughts on this episode that we Something talked to thoughts. death. Yeah, I don't know if I, do I even have any thoughts left in my brain at this point? Turns Not out this one that. was longer than episode one. Watch every episode yeah. just get longer and longer. As we continue to peel back the layers of the onion, I don't think I mentioned that metaphor this episode. <laughs> I think Misty, Misty has quite a few layers. We're just starting to peel those back. So yeah. I'll say that. All right. Taisa too. All of them really. They're all onions. <laughs> Taisa is a is much more of a uh, slow peeling onion. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she's like very savory, you know. She's a what is that French dish? Oh, caramelized onions. Oh, it's like when you ca- it takes a long time to caramelize onions. There it takes you like go. An hour to do it. It's a huge pain in the ass, actually. <laughs> okay, I'll trust you. I I I don't really cook. Do they actually eat French onion soup in France? Yeah, that's where it comes from. Wow. Okay, well, yeah. French people, let us know how you pronounce LaCroix and how you feel about French onion soup. Absolutely. We want to know. Especially if you're if so Canadian. French listeners. She's French Canadian, but that kind of counts. That's, uh, I think most people would say that there's a huge difference, but. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Canada, the location of this TV show. Oh yeah, it, it does take things in Canada, doesn't it? It's like half Canada, yeah. half New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> we can blame it all on those two places. <laughs> all right, so we'll be back next time to talk about episode three. Turns out there are more than 10 people listening to this, so it's appreciated. Thank you for caring, all of the yeah. gay people that are listening to this and the straight people. If you're listening, we especially appreciate you because I don't you're know. Amazing. I don't know how you'd put up with we this. Didn't, we didn't expect you to exist, actually. <laughs> if you do, we're not sure. If you're straight and you listen to us, please tell us how you found out about this podcast. Yeah, we have a Twitter now. It's W-Y-W-S pod? Yes, correct. That's the Twitter. We also have an Instagram. I think it's just while you were streaming pod. Don't quote me on that. Look that up. I didn't even know we have an Instagram. We have an Instagram. Go follow it. Yeah, we also have a TikTok, I think. I didn't do jack shit, by the way. So this is all Emily. So if you if you want to send us fan mail, talk about how great Emily is. I was going to say, I, I'm, just, maybe, I'm just here to talk. Maybe we'd create like an email for the show, but we don't really need that. We could just use Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, send it to our DMs. Only nice things, though. No, I'm just kidding. Slide send into us your thoughts our, if you want. Yeah, slide into our DMs. Yeah, slide into our DMs. Uh, with thoughts or, you know, comments and yep. like rate us and stuff. That's what people do, right? Rate us on Spotify. Spotify or Apple um, Podcasts. That's right. Like, review, and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> yeah. Give us five stars on Apple. Yeah. It really matters. And I mean, or whatever rating you think. Whatever you think know. is appropriate. But, you know, if you have criticism, yeah. be constructive about it and not rude. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we're actual people reading things. Yeah. That's it. We're out of here. Bye. Bye.